Hi, welcome to the New Draft Podcast. Today is the 1st of September? It is the 1st. Yeah. It could definitely be the 1st, but since we, like, missed a week, we can always just lie about what day it is. No, today's the 1st of September, but I had to ask because we're going to be very questioning on today's podcast. Did anybody get any pinches and punches for the 1st of the month, by the way? No. No? We're going to have lots of questions on this podcast because today's podcast is on mysteries. Mysteries. (laughs) That would have been a really good segue into, like, uh, answering questions and things, though. Well, yeah, it would have. Oh, well. I'm James. (laughs) I'm Jess. You don't know my name. (laughs) You'll you'll have to piece together the clues. (laughs) It starts with a J and ends with an Oshua. (laughs) Oh, my. That's so deep. Who am I? None of your business. <laughs> but yeah, uh, today's episode is on mysteries. And I guess solving them. Because generally when you put a mystery in media, it's there to be solved. Well, Otherwise it's bad. Oh this brings me to an interesting first point. Josh, you're running a mystery game. I am running a mystery game. There are many secrets and things in it. There are many secrets in it. When you're playing in a mystery game, you're like, I don't want to reveal my secret, but one of the entire key things about it is... Is the revealing of secrets. And see, a lot of how that is solved is by the fact that the other players want to reveal your secrets for you. That they do. Hey, hey, Josh. How did it feel forcibly revealing my secret on Tuesday? Well, you, you know, you did set yourself up for it. No, I just forgot that I had a secret. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, it slipped my mind. I was enjoying myself too much. For once, the universe was kind to me. I never forget my secret. <laughs> It's true. James never forgets his secret. He's constantly, to me, alone talking about his secret. Clearly your secret is uh, much worse than mine, then. What is the secret? It's a book or something? The secret? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's not a notebook. Anyway, we're being, like, vague and mysterious to our audience, who doesn't even have context to, like, the initial context. So let's move on to explaining mysteries. We know what we should talk about. What? Sombra. Yes, we should talk about ARGs. Mm -hmm. Augmented reality games. Alternate reality games? Alternate reality... I I don't remember. I think maybe it's interchangeable. It's probably interchangeable. (laughs) Interchangeable reality games. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mysteries the A. But yeah, maybe that's a good place to start. So, uh, I mean, obviously a mystery uh, Mm -hmm. in terms of genre mm-hmm. is when the entire point of your narrative or whatever is sort of the idea that there are secrets to be uncovered that's you know the crime novel where you have to figure out who the murderer was it see uh you you sort of started by saying the genre is like mystery but then you immediately like jump to crime so do you feel like it's an entire genre or do you think it's like an aspect I think that crime is a subgenre of mystery, usually. Ooh, yeah. Though crime can, like, not yeah. have a mystery it's element to it. Up, yeah. Well, and in the case of the Sombra example, I don't think it's fair to say that the dominant narrative in Overwatch is mystery or crime or anything like that. I don't really know how to place, you know, mysteries within that. 
But I would say that the Sombra ARG is its own separate game in which the narrative is to find Sombra. Because in reality, the actual playing of Overwatch normally doesn't so much come into the ARG. Does not involve it at all. I mean... started the reddit has a tag that's no sombra if you just don't yeah. want to deal with the sombra <laughs> the first time i saw it, i clicked on it trying to see only sombra things because i wanted to catch up but that's not an option <laughs> thanks uh overwatch uh let's explain the sombra thing because we're being mysterious well we, we need to explain what an arg is first it's um when a, a game spills over into real life effectively mm-hmm. it's when um clues end up not just being about in game yeah. uh, in video game stuff and end up being uh things that you have to solve in real life the best sort of example i can think of of something like this that comes outside of video games is i know that there's those sort of magicians and and that type of person. I can't think of a good word for them, but magician is the closest I can think of. Magic um, No, no, no. Like, um, you know, the people who like pull off those elaborate stunts and stuff, and they give you like X amount of time now to you figure see out how too. they did it. Okay, yeah, I, I would. I can't say, think yeah, of the like names of any of them, but I know that it happened when I was growing up. Like, never heard of it. No, never. Maybe this is like a David, really. like yeah, that guy. What David is Blaine. Yeah, or, David or, Blaine. Who's who's the mind freak guy? Mind uh, Chris freak. Angel. Yeah, Chris Angel. Mind, mind freak. freak. <laughs> um, they typically sort of play sort of semi ARGs with their audiences because they often involve them in the process when they're building a new track. Yeah. And so the Sombra ARG is an ARG that's built around uh, the video game Overwatch and uh, the reveal of its next character. And maybe, uh, maybe reveal of something of something. But um, the there's like the a like hacker. Yeah, the antagonist is this hacker named Sombra, and you're having to decipher their clues. Yeah. And it's really intense things, like, it takes groups of hackers, like, days and days and days of, like, still framing these things, and one of the ridiculous examples is they uncovered a secret, and then inside the secret there was a heartbeat that then spelt out things, and that was another code leading to another thing. Yeah, like, there's codes within codes within codes going on in the Sombra thing. And it requires you to really genuinely think outside of the box. So I'm not just talking (laughs) trying a different cipher for a code or, you know, trying Google Translate or anything like that. Like, it goes beyond language and beyond text right into delving into the code and stuff like that. Josh, uh, what's the Sky Code? So... At the height of ridiculousness of this <laughs> mystery into what was the at the end of this ARG, which yeah. we still don't know, um, some people found uh, some... I, I don't know what you'd call them, sort of a... Okay, slightly before that, the developers had an interview and they were like... Uh, the Compass, The Compass. Oh, look, uh, This is uh, way uh, above, above our heads. And people were like... Way above our heads. So people started looking up in this one particular map and they saw uh, sort of a pattern in the skybox image. Um, And so they sort of went about trying to decode that and it ended up being that someone turned it into a MIDI file, which is effectively electronic code for 
sound. Music for yeah. sound. And so they had made a song out of the scope. And then uh, <laughs> it was realized, partially because of uh, Blizzard talking about it, I yeah. think, uh, that those uh, discrepancies in the skybox image were just uh, JPEG artifacting that's perfectly normal when you compress an image. Um, <laughs> and what was brilliant was that Sombra, this antagonist that we're talking about, responded to that um, change in in um, in the w- in the way of thinking. So, like Sombra released yet another clue that people then deciphered, and then inside the clue was effectively. Why are you looking at the sky, oh, you idiots? No, what it, you it was actually way more you. obvious than that. It was just like her name in a forum no, post no, was. But the, that was that was a later like nod to it. But before yeah. that, I can't remember how they mm. found it. But there was definitely a clue, and inside it, written in Spanish, which is Sombra's tell, was like, "Why are you why looking, are you at, looking the at the sky? <laughs> what you're looking up for is behind you." <laughs> Yeah. As in, hey, go back to the previous stuff that you'd ignored, and then that uh, was yeah, when they found... Yeah, it was found... like, look at your previous achievements. So yes, it was just yes. before achievements. Yes, it was look at your previous achievements. Guys, it's intense. You have to go watch some videos on yeah. it. Yeah, Riker, is that his name? Something like that. Go look yeah. at Riker on YouTube if you want to find out just this extreme wealth of stuff going on with the Sombra ARG, because from the most recent set of clues, it looks like it's only just begun. She called it a specific niche word, I don't remember what, but... She was like, I guess uh, this the trailhead. Yeah. She was like, I oh, suppose yeah. this is what you would call a trailhead. And we were yeah. like, it's just starting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there's a couple of other famous ones. Like there's I something or other bees. I love bees. I was, love bees. Um, I forget. Halo. Yeah. One of them. Oh, uh, I forget which what's hell, that one that yeah. we were playing? Not prom. That's kind yep, of ARG. Not prom. Yeah, sort of. Uh, yeah, actually, one... that's a good example that someone could go and play right now if yeah. they don't really know what an ARG is. And if you're not confident in your abilities to get past a certain point, you can probably go watch <laughs> a video of someone doing it to start understand how they Which work. Which is still pretty fun, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, that's pretty fun in its own. I know that when I tried to play Not Prone for the first time, I really was not thinking even close to outside the box enough. Yeah. And then when I started realizing how some of them were done, I was like, oh, this is how I have to think. Okay, you literally have to consider all the options, not just what seems easily achievable. Yep. To a smaller degree, something sort of similar is where you see, like, those uh, chalked out Batman symbols on the sides of things. So it's like something from the movie put into your real world. So you're like, wow, it's the Batman symbol. What if? Yeah, anyway, so that's ARGs, but... uh more generally mm. on mysteries yeah. so i mean these are a way to to make uh a mystery story interactive definitely effectively yeah. so like how does uh mystery work when you don't have that when it's a movie or a book um i would argue that one of the most interesting applications of mystery in something that's not necessarily a movie or a book or a game was her story. <laughs> okay. See, <laughs> I I her story really blurs the line between interactive and non-interactive. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> it depends who's playing. Well, it's cuz in effect learning what happened in her story is inevitable. Yeah. Um yeah, you 
you watch the videos and you pick out clues to allow you to go to watch other videos, but eventually you will stumble across uh, what you yeah. are, are, what the game is guiding you towards, yeah. in effect. Um, but I mean, I guess by that logic, if you're saying that's non-interactive, you could get any sort of like shooter game or any linear game and be like, it's not a game because it's not interactive, and that then that gets weird. Well, no, I'm I'm more saying that the mystery is non-interactive in that no matter what you solve the mystery, Isn't it's impossible the same as a to fail. Book or a movie? Well, yes, but I'm, but yeah. I would say that a book and a movie are non-interactive. Yeah. In terms of their uh, inevitability in you solving the mystery, you might mm. be able to. Uh, piece it together as you go and figure it out before the movie does but if you don't the movie will in the end tell you presumably i thought of another interesting example apparently i know a lot more about mysteries than i thought i did <laughs> um do either of you two know what marble hornets is yes yes you have talked about marble no hornets. i do not okay marble hornets is it's, it's actually really cool and you should definitely go watch them because they are one of the earliest routes to the Slenderman um, creepypasta. Okay. In that um, it came out in a... Oh, I just thought of another great one. Okay, anyway. Um, <laughs> um, we it, all have great examples. It, okay, it came out as a um, as a series of YouTube videos that were being released by this guy uh, saying that he had a friend who had been filming his college film project and then he'd just gone a bit nuts and left town and left him with all these tapes. And he had found them a couple years later and was like watching through them and started finding these like weird little things. And so whenever he found something strange, he was uploading it. And um, none of the tapes were time marked or anything. So they're not in any kind of chronological order. It's pretty much whenever he found this like shadowy figure or weird static things going on, he would upload that clip. And, um, yeah, it was sort of up to the audience to try and piece together what exactly had happened to this guy while he'd been filming this weird creature that he'd been interacting with. Is this why he went crazy and uh, left town? So there was a lot of it that was more sort of like about what was missing rather than what was present because it was like well we have these bits that aren't actually supposed to be a part of the film he was filming but rather coincidental things that were happening on the side and we didn't have a lot of the information to piece together the story it took a little while for people to figure out that it wasn't really real um as as you know sort of covert youtube things often go yeah. but i still find it really interesting to watch back over them to try and see other possible ways that the slender man story could have gone if people didn't get to the conclusion they came to right i find one of the tropes or maybe it's just a tool to improve it about mysteries is a lack of chronological ordering yeah i can see that definitely where um because mysteries are at their core about what you don't know mm. uh by uh skipping through time you're skipping important events and therefore yeah. the information that comes with those but i would argue that it's extremely important like vital in my opinion in a mystery to make sure that your audience before the end of the first act of whatever you're doing has all of the information that they could possibly need to solve the mystery because waiting until the third act to be like oh 
And the reason that you couldn't solve it up until this point is because there was this critical piece of information that you didn't have. It's a huge fuck you. I hate it. I agree with that, but I wouldn't necessarily say by the end of the first act, because that's, like, entirely set up. In some uh, mediums, you wouldn't even have, like, gone to a point where your main characters were, like, heavily invested in solving the crime (laughs) yet. Perhaps. That's true, yeah. But you should at least lace as much as you can oh, yeah. early on, I think. Uh, I agree, but like I'm thinking like before like halfway through the movie. More than like because I associate the first act like entirely with setup, so like that's gonna be mostly dedicated to like setting up the characters of our detectives and if it's uh, the sort of thing where we get glimpses of our villain. The villain. Yeah. And stuff like that. So a lot of the clues aren't going to come until like they really begin buckling down on the mystery at the beginning of Act Two, which is where I would say the like all of the necessary clues would need to be laid. Okay, so let's talk about some good and bad examples of mysteries, just so that we sort of have these reference points for what does it well and what does it poorly. Okay. Um. I have an example that I think... Is it the best offer? No, it's not. (laughs) I think that this is a movie that does it um, in some ways extremely well, in some ways very poorly, and I think it's because of what the actual mystery is compared to what you might think that the mystery is, and that's Seven. Um, I don't really remember anything about it, so I'm going to let you two cover this one. Have we seen Seven? If you haven't, you should. I will give, like, a... uh, well, a spoiler warning here, as well as if you're going to go watch it, a um, it, it contains it. it contains themes and uh, images that may disturb some people. Maybe it's I like, shouldn't watch it's it. It's like mad familiar. Like, it's I've mad defini- famous. I've definitely heard of it, but I don't know. If well, I've it, seen it. it's uh, directed by David Lynch, okay. and uh, it stars Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt as detectives who are chasing a case of a serial killer. Uh. Uh, who kills mm. in the form of uh, the seven deadly sins. Yes, yeah, no, I've seen it. I've seen it. Um, <laughs> and I would say that um, going in, you think, of course, with all mysteries of this kind, that the mystery to solve is who is the killer. Yeah. Who is the serial killer. Um, and that isn't really where seven goes. Um, in the end... The killer turns himself in. Um, you know, they collect clues and at times they sort of have an idea of who it is and they, like, just miss him and things like this. But in reality, I think that the mystery is really how is he going to pull it off and what is the point? Well, not what is the point. Uh, how are, like, the next, uh, like, murders at, compared to their sins going to manifest? right like so sort of final destination i mean sort of like by the time you get to like the very end you have um envy and wrath left okay yeah uh and it, the the killer has turned himself in and it becomes how are these last two going to happen um, and I, I don't think I should say how they happen on this podcast. I think What's that, in the box? I mean, that is the classic line from this movie. What's in the box? <laughs> what's in the fucking box? See, I think I only know what's in the box and, like, nothing else about the movie. <laughs> well, yeah, and 
oh, um, I think that, like, in particular, in Seven, it's, like, leaning towards becoming one of those tropey movies where everybody knows how it ends as well. So, like, you're a little safe to dance around it, but I wouldn't, like, confirm for oh, those yeah. people who don't know that Bruce Willis is already dead and things like that. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was about to bring up, that made me think of Bruce Willis being dead, like, the there's two mysteries going on sort well, of thing. Well, that's the classic, and in a way, like, this, like the idea of a twist is, yeah, like, the end of a mystery, right? It's, yeah. um... You aren't told that it's a mystery, like, that's a key thing to it being a twist, but in in the end it is, like, laying down these clues so that you can work it out before it happens and feel smart about yourself. Predestination. You know what had a sick twist and a great mystery that's not predestination? <laughs> the best offer. <laughs> no. Um, Gone Girl. I was going to yes. bring that up. And I th- yes. Gone Girl was very good in that... It felt like driving down a windy road. Like, it was yeah. twists all over the place, right? Yeah, it just kept yes. on happening. Oh my god. It was really brilliant. And I think part of that is because the twists just defied traditional defied traditional pacing. Like, they just really sort of came out of nowhere. And so the movie didn't really allow you to, to get comfortable in, in what I would call the regular rhythm. Like, that no. sort of, that reveal where we suddenly swap perspective in particular... Um, and we sort of go to a different stream of consciousness that was like it was just for me really cool to feel like I didn't see this coming at all and now I have a whole other way of looking at everything because I'm sitting from this perspective rather than that perspective it's really cool. should new writers aim to ruin the pace in a similar way I would say you shouldn't aim to do anything that doesn't help your story if you're telling a story that like benefits from a uh less than average um sense of story direction and pacing go for it but i mean how do you decide that i mean it is a hard uh you know question to ask yourself i think probably one of the best ways to determine if your pacing is off is to have somebody read your work because you from that inside perspective can't always tell because you know exactly when what is coming etc but if you give it to someone who doesn't know and they read through it, they can tell you, like, even if they can't say the pacing was bad, because not everybody can sort of <laughs> pinpoint why things aren't good. Hopefully from the feedback they give you, it can yeah. explain. So if they say, like, oh, I sort of got a bit lost in the middle, like I wasn't sure where it was going. That's to me is like layman's code for, OK, your pacing is, is skewed because, yeah. you know, people are not in, not enjoying the middle part yeah it's very much that sort of difference between like the symptom of something and the actual cause yeah. or something or like i didn't feel connected to the character i just didn't get to know him ah your your first act is too short people yeah. people can't connect guys do you remember when people went crazy about the shortland street killer <laughs> yes i do dude <laughs> Can we talk about mysteries on soap operas? No. <laughs> mysteries on soap operas are ridiculous. I find it weird. The entire pace of the thing is like, this episode needs to be like so plain and simple that... Anyone like, can jump in. Anyone can just be doing something else and watching the TV... And get what's uh, going on. ...part of the time and just get what's going on. And then they introduce mysteries. Yeah, like, now you have to, like, follow clues and yeah. 
Oh, who did it? Oh, this person's been eliminated. Oh, but oh, is it this person? Oh, Ooh. well, that makes no sense. Oh. That's why they have at the start of every episode of any soap opera. Last time on this show, yeah. and they show you those little like intense flashbacks to things that happened. The Young and the Restless shall be our show that we are. Uh, we talk. We. How many hours do you think there are of Shortland Street, considering there's like one half hour episode every day, Monday to Friday, for however many years? Is Plus it still one on? hour specials. Yes, Shortland Street. Yes, Shortland Street's still, Street's on. Really? still on. My sister still watches so it. So, Shortland oh Street, holy, Shortland Street was playing when I was a fetus, because my mum told me she watched it, and it's still playing now. Wait. Wasn't she Wait, in England? Yeah. Yes, yeah, weird. I don't, well, England has New Zealand mm, yeah, but, soap operas. Just in the same um, way you guys have, like, Home and Away and bloody EastEnders. That's yeah, well, yeah, yeah, but, but usually it goes like the bigger countries give yeah. us poor little countries their <laughs> leftover the TV of the shows. Young and the <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'm totally watched uh, Shortland Street while I was. Are we baby? I think that. um... I think that it's like almost exactly as old as we are. Yeah. As as uh, how long Shortland Street's been on? That is um, insane. So yeah, and it becomes sort of a continuity nightmare, and that's why you end comic up comic books. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's why you have books. these like arcs where yeah. it's you know you have the mystery arc, and then it's like you. A new person can jump in and all they need to know is the stuff for this arc. Then you kill right? everyone off in a bus crash. Basically. I have a tangential jump, so, you know, I, th- I feel like we've we've established that, you know... Soap operas soap are weird. Soap operas are weird and do weird things with mysteries that make it hard to, hard to follow. Well, let, let's talk about that for a second before you jump off. Okay, go for it. So... How do I take the fact that soap operas are weird and make my story really cool? So do I make arcs on the mystery that are really easy for people to follow? Do I? Um, I feel like one of the most important things to remember when you're talking about a soap opera is that it is on every single night of the week. And it really relies on people sort of chewing over those cliffhanger moments at the end of the episode yeah. all day so that they're coming back for the start of the next episode yeah, really only those cliffhanger moments matter if you cut together each of the cliffhanger moments into like a shorter thing it would generally make sense sort of what if i did um, that in like a episodic game or like a role-playing game what were you you have sort of like nothing middle and then like cliffhanger <laughs> yeah. i mean that was sort of our last game of <laughs> Of role-playing, where it's like, yeah, you guys are at school, having a fun time, learning yeah. things, and then, oh, look at this existential nightmare for one of your party members. <laughs> um, and, but I think that, um, yeah, screw that, you, that looks into a bit of why there is that middle bit, where um, that middle bit is there not so much so that... Um, like it adds to the story in the same way that the cliffhanger does it's there so that you know that these people have like normal lives in the same way that the meat in in that game the reason you're like going to class and like having a normal life and then you get this horror out of nowhere is for the random bonuses you're giving us (laughs) is so that um there's a contrast so that every like if every moment was a cliffhanger moment like i just said it would 
like I said, probably makes sense plot-wise, but in terms of pacing, it would be extremely off. And, <laughs> like, why is everything, like, super high-tension, high-stakes? There needs to be low stakes Girl, for high no. stakes to exist. That's exactly right. That's exactly where I was going with uh, with what I was going to jump to, okay. is that if, if everything is always high-stress drama and tension, like those cliffhanger moments are, then that effectively is the established norm. And I remember you talked about with your book in particular, you want to establish normality so that when things get a bit different, you can start to point out those differences to the readers. Yeah. Um, so what I, what, what I wanted to jump to was something that I found really, really interesting um, is how, you know, crime shows, they typically have like a season of about 20 episodes and around about episode 10, a particularly interesting case comes up that lasts over a few episodes yeah. and then dies off. I would argue that the reason that those are not so memorable and overall still feel like pretty much just normal episodes, but with a bit more continuity going on is because it's still just what's normal on the yeah. show. There might be like a quirk or two, but one show, which shone on top of that for me, was Bones. CSI. No, fuck off. Um, CSI, when Bones. they did the miniature killer, which was like super different than anything else that I've like seen on a crime show and especially seen in CSI because there was no um, like, how do I phrase this? They're, they rely quite heavily on physical evidence in modern CSI-type yeah. shows. But this was particularly focused on, like, a replica of that physical evidence provided by the killer and, like, going through and finding... the Effectively playing spot the difference and stuff like that. I just found that super, super interesting because it really took it away from the norm of a crime show because they kind of just became like hobbyists like really getting into miniatures and finding out how they get made and like really oh it was just i thought it was really cool because it took that mystery aspect that you get in any old crime show but it changed up that mystery usually it's always like okay take prints uh swab for dna ask the uh suspects uh the mm -hmm. witnesses who are around the scene blah 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 go down the list of everything we always do because we're cops who go by procedure because generally in csi there isn't the like the cop who, do <laughs> who doesn't play by the rules <laughs> give me your badge murdoch <laughs> exactly it broke the formula and i liked that a lot there was actually uh a superhero role-playing game that i was looking at one time and, like, the key gimmick of it was that there was a crime formula for what superpowers were. So you could be like, yep, that's a heat blast. Oh, that guy definitely has super strength, about a four or a five. And I was just like, I could just run, like, normal cops that just happen to be investigating superheroes. And that would be really cool. That would be really cool. <laughs> you should, uh... Yeah, you should whip that game up uh, for monthly or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just have too many games I want to run for monthly. I also want to yeah, run same. Orcs Yorks. <laughs> ah, yeah. Yeah, like I've got three games that I want to run for monthly. We at need the another monthly. We need another monthly. Oh, oh well. Look at me remembering examples of mysteries. Sorry, I just keep yeah. on. My mind's just running. Um. Because speaking of things that we wanted to write... We need some bad mystery soon, by Murder the mystery game! Yes, definitely. Have you been in my room and looked at my cork for I was literally in your room, like, 
Tuesday night because we were having our little right. private school interaction from <laughs> from role play. <laughs> um, yeah, and I glanced at the board and I saw my name and I was like, oh, yeah. So, like, murder mystery games, where do they fall on the dialogue of mystery? Well, um, they're very interesting in that. So, we talked about ARGs and video games with mm-hmm. mystery mm. components. And they're very much like, here's a clue and there's a definite solution. Once you get that solution, you move to the next clue. Okay. Yeah. Right? Um, whereas a murder mystery game is a lot more open, I feel, in that it's meant to be more of a simulation of, uh, you know, I- investigating a murder. Like, it's not like okay, here's a dead body, look over them and find X thing. And once you find that thing, <laughs> we can move you'll, on. You'll, you'll move on to the next thing. Like, say, oh, you have to search for body. Oh, good, you uh, found that matchbook in their pocket with uh, the address on it. Now uh, the video game moves to the next location, yeah. which is that place where you have a sort of dialogue tree thing with the bar owner. Like, um, have you been playing Murdered Soul Suspect as well? No, I haven't. Actually, I my mind jumped to that other one that we played together. Dengar, Roper, nope. Trigger, Happy. No, no. Uh, you were in a small town and you called the chief often. Contrast. Con- Con- no. Contradiction. Contradiction. That's a good one. Yeah, we talked about that uh, a yeah. few episodes ago as well. Um, but yeah, we're yeah like that um despite the fact that like it's an open conversation yeah. thing you had to do something to move the game along otherwise you were just stuck perpetually in one place whereas because of sort of the chaos that having everyone played by a player <laughs> introduces um you can never account for that so everything has to be open and fluid in terms of uh, yep. how they piece together clues if they piece together clues wrong they have to go with that there's no way for them to be like oh, oh I got the clue wrong because the game didn't progress it's like they, they let's s- go with it they search their pockets and instead they find a receipt for a service station and they end up at the service station <laughs> questioning that guy instead um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think that I've been in some LARPs. I've been to Capcom. I know yeah. this. Well, yeah, I think that in that way, a murder mystery sort of becomes more similar to an actual like real life. Not not a real life mystery, but it becomes a real life like investigation. I think, particularly in a murder mystery party like setting, the knowledge that it's a person in the room really augments that like amount of suspicion like it may, i feel like the amount that you're suspicious about things um in a murder mystery game is like significantly heightened and more pointed in a specific because direction everyone you talk to in the back of your mind there's the <laughs> did they do it yeah or if you're the murderer do they know I did it? Exactly. How do I frame them? Exactly. Like, in a video game or a movie or anything, like, there is a huge more, like, huge more. Uh, there's a lot more potential for who it could be. It could just be, like, that dude in the background, that NPC who had one line. But in a murder mystery game, it's like, it's one of these six people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I always found, like, the there's some, like, 
counter strike counter source is that what it's called count uh, um you mean like the gmod game yeah gmod games where, where like, like trouble and terrorist town that yeah sort of thing. so someone's the bad guy and they're doing bad things and josh can probably tell you about phase killer do we have any examples of like terrible mysteries oh so so yeah that's a that good looked at? point well i think that this is another difficult uh one to pin down a failure of the genre because it ends up being that there isn't a mystery uh, and um i think that jess identified for one thing that i think makes mysteries fail the most earlier which is that idea of uh it was impossible for you to know because mm. you didn't find out um a key clue until like literally the moment that the mystery is solved yeah um i i can think of i can't remember the particular names of them but um some nancy drew books are actually (laughs) really bad at this and it's uh, it's weird that i know that but (laughs) well there's also those other ones that are like that old lady investigator uh and they're named after flowers or something no you mean agatha christie I think so, maybe. Yeah. I, I I don't think that Agatha Christie's ones suffer from this. Um, there are some... See, it's fine, all the ones I can think of that do this badly that I, like, I can think of for some reason are kid ones. Uh, yeah, Nancy Drew, I can also think of, like, Secret Seven. There are a lot of ones that <laughs> oh, yeah. do this. Um, what Famous Five was the, was for, like... Were Famous Five and Secrets even, like, related somehow? Yeah, I read both. same author. Okay, Blyden. good. Great books. Loved them. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, I really loved them, but they definitely suffered from this problem of... Oh, guys, we just found out this final clue. The mystery solved! Yay! Yay! But, um... They're effectively training wheels for mystery solving. Yeah, basically. <laughs> guys, was Scooby-Doo good or bad? Scooby-Doo is... Uh, it's good but it's bad see i think that this is like a a good one to examine in that like it does the same thing we're like velman you all along but i don't know how (laughs) i was meant to know um it it was very enjoyable i i really enjoy the early scooby-doo cartoons Mm. i think i've said that before on this scoob fans on the show but yeah i i don't know how velma did it i guess she's just a genius <laughs> um i thought of a, a mystery thing that i know for a fact that james thinks is bad i oh my strongly God. disagree is this gonna be what i think it's gonna be because i'm thinking of one why do you hate cluedo oh okay. wait the movie or the game the game the, the game is great james hates the board game the- cluedo I just hate it for different reasons. Pluto is one of the classic board games that I think actually stands up the best in that it's, like, an actual game with strategy. Like, Um... Monopoly really is, in a way, predetermined, um, because you're rolling (laughs) dice for randomness, you land on the place, there's an optimal decision as to whether to buy or not buy or send to auction. Uh, Pluto just has a, a few, like, problems with it that I'm really not a fan of. I mean, it definitely has some problems, but now we're getting into the mechanics of, like... Yeah, exactly. There's, there are characters which are better to start with because they're closer to a room on their first turn. Um, things like that. Um, yeah. But I I think that its um, mechanic for solving the mystery is super interesting, especially... Do you get, like, one guess and then you're out of it? Yeah. 
I don't like that. I love it. You have to be certain. Yeah, but... Like, like a police officer wouldn't be like, I've got, like, 50-50, guys. I'm going to check the envelope to see (laughs) that I got it right. No, you have to be certain. Cops do that all the time. They arrest people and hold them. I know that, but they shouldn't. (laughs) Yeah, I think it adds to the tension in that knowing you only have one shot. And, like... I have actually played Cluedo a lot as an adult with my sisters. Okay. Uh, it's a it's a game that we really like. Um, and what I learned playing as an adult is there there isn't just information to be gained from you asking someone and uh, uh, you know you you put your things in the room and you're like it was Colonel Mustard in the ballroom with the candlestick and if they have those items they show you or if not they don't. Um, but also in other people showing items or people not showing you things is information in itself as well. I actually think there might be one of my problems with it because often when I'm playing a board game I don't want to have to think that intensely. See, but I like it in that... So in another board game, like, mm-hmm. you would have other like other mechanics to be dealing with. That thinking through and eliminating is the entirety of the mechanics of Cluedar, in effect. effect. Like, you have to roll to, like, move between rooms. But really, that's just a way to make it so that you can't just go, this room, do a thing. This room, do a thing. This room, do a thing. Over and over. already sort of try and do that. I don't know. I I don't want to get in, like, too much into my hatred of Cluedar, because I feel like I don't necessarily hate it because it's a mystery i hate it for like other reasons you know see but yeah i i love clue and cluedo is a movie that they've made a lot of adaptions of cluedo or i think that in america it's just called clue yeah there's a cluedo movie and uh it flopped a lot like real big <laughs> yeah Belly no, um, surprise. despite having it had some pre-famous people it had like tim curry and christopher lloyd samuel l jackson i was too old for, voice or no it wasn't that's really interesting i haven't done um, that at all but uh, an interesting historical fact is that because it flopped uh the studio offered uh the tapes of uh it a uh, real cheap mm-hmm. oh the movie's actually just called clue not cluedo <laughs> because it's yeah. named after the american version of the game um but they offered it really cheap to video rental places meaning that lots of video rental places had heaps of it meaning that (laughs) lots of people watching it became like a cult classic because of that and ended up making a lot of money through that (laughs) that's Um, really interesting yeah and another really interesting fact about the movie is that it actually has three endings that depend i think it's three but depending on the one you went to uh, the theater you went to, the yeah. ending would be different. Oh my oh, god, I love that. It's so interesting. That right? is so and, cool. and then on the uh, tape, it had the three endings back to back with like a title card of like this is the like the good good end. Like you've had descriptors. I don't think they were as bland as like the good, the good the ending, the bad ending, ending and yeah. the true ending. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's super interesting. That's super cool. Really and cool. Because it also means that. The movie has to set up all three of those. However, that the fact that it did that may have been the reason it flopped. Why it was so weak, because that means that it sort of by design had to suffer from this problem of 
you find out the final clues like at the final moment where you were unable to work it out because mm-hmm. those final clues have to be in the part that's unique to your screening of the movie which is the very end <laughs> couldn't they just macgyver all of the things together though i think it would be much more interesting if the film had um like three possible endings based on everything that had happened up until that point and then it just like confirms um, in those, those yeah. one, of minutes, one of them rather than literally making it impossible to be any of them that would be super cool but yeah i think that we should sit down and watch clue i would so do day. that yeah i'm pretty sure that um i haven't watched it in a long time i think that uh tim curry is like the butler <laughs> it's i love tim curry he's just amazing in everything yeah um yeah so, Jess, I thought you were going to say Sherlock. Ah! Oh, okay, no, see... No, I understand your dislike him from okay. Sh- Sherlock. Sherlock's inter- So, like, what ones? Because I actually recently just uh, reread Study in Scarlet, oh. like, the original Sherlock. Yeah, I'm talking about the... The, the new... BBC the BBC, adaption. like, yeah. modern With adaption. Benedict Cumberbatch. Which is very interesting, because the first episode of that is... Uh, study in pink which yep. is an adaption yeah. of a study in scarlet except what i had forgotten as i read through a study in scarlet you cut at like almost the end of the mystery to another story which is the story of the murderer in effect <laughs> um which also happens and well it happens sporadically through but through like the hannibal series and things like that which I find really weird that a lot of them don't focus on Hannibal as the murderer. <laughs> yeah. The Hannibal books, featuring lots of other people doing <laughs> bad things too. Yeah, well, because often he's like... He's in jail. In jail, and people come to him being like, do you know anything about this? You're sort of an authority. <laughs> <laughs> You're the big daddy, let us know what you know. Yeah. Which is like the opposite of how it usually works. Normally they have lots of small-time dudes in prison. And they're like, tell us what you know about the big dude so we can yeah. catch him. Hannibal, yeah. like, flips that a little. Yeah. yeah. And it's also because Hannibal was, like, a psychologist and things like that. So he was like, yeah, I know all of this stuff and I can uh, do all these things. And, yeah. But, yeah, I think that later into the BBC Sherlock, it suffered from this a bit. But I actually <laughs> really liked, like, season one of it. James I- got, like, I think most of the way through season one and then stopped yeah okay. uh, i just didn't like their relationship because he was a dick and i didn't like the the sherlock holmes moments where he was just like this is what happened <laughs> for those of you at home i just stared at the floor for a couple of seconds it's like the equivalent <laughs> of the like premonition moment and that's so raven <laughs> yeah <laughs> or the house moment <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, those moments um, where it's like, yeah. and suddenly the lead character, who's a genius, gets it, and you don't yeah. really understand I, why. I can definitely see that. Like, having just reread Starting Scout, like, yeah. the, in the BBC show, they really play up him being a dick. And in the original book, oh like, like, he's. he's Leo sm- hates that so much. He's, he's like, sm- in the book, he's fucking like a nice guy, and he's like, Watson, you're such a good friend and things. Yeah, he's like. He's like snooty and a little weird, but like at heart, he's like a, yeah. a nice person. He's just not who's good just, at being social. He's not good at being social, and he's like one of those people who's like super into their work. Yeah. So, James, you hate the BBC version of Sherlock. Yeah. 
What about the movies with Robert Downey Jr.? That's oh, a good question. I like them, but I, I like Robert Downey Jr. What even were the mysteries in them? Uh, yeah, I think it was really cool how they sort of gave you a clue and then they gave you a little bit of time. So there's like, there's the scratched back of a watch. What does this mean? Then it had like the Dora the Explorer moment of ticking, ticking, ticking. And then he was like, it means he's a drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I can actually, a pretty good comparison for that is like the moment in BBC Sherlock where, what is it? It's like, I noticed that he had scratches on his phone, which means that he keeps his (laughs) phone, which means he keeps his phone in the same pocket as his keys, which he wouldn't do if he was a responsible phone owner. What? But we know he's a, I can't remember exactly how it goes, but what it boils down to is that he's a drunk. And because of that, this has happened. Yeah, it's like a really convoluted way of explaining it. And like, when he says it, you're like, yeah, I can see how that boils down to a very specific kind of person. But it could boil down to To lots of other things. Exactly. It's like, why was it exactly that? Yeah, I guess I just found it poorly written. Guys, Oceans 11, such a good mystery movie. Well, you know, yeah, like it, it is a mystery in that it's like... How are they going to do it? Because they don't tell you until the very end. Yeah. And in that way, like, it fails that key mystery test that we've put forward. That, um, <laughs> well, yeah, because you don't find out, like, how they get it out with, like, the SWAT thing until the very end. But because it's not at its core a mystery movie, I think it works in that it... In a way, Ocean's Eleven is meant to be less of a mystery and more of, like, a magic trick where, like, that (laughs) final flourish is for prestige. See, I don't know. They, like, tell you that the SWAT's going in. They show them, like, doing these setups. They show all of these things. They have all these pieces. And then it's the final Yes, but they show all of that at, like, the tail end of Act 2, beginning of Act 3. Maybe, uh, maybe, like, a little late. Uh. You both have seen The Prestige, right? Yes. I uh, I you knew that when word, I said The I Prestige, like, I was like, oh, we're going to talk about The Prestige <laughs> next. That's, uh, uh, I might Prestige is the one to with... Um, um, Batman and Wolverine Thank fight you. as magicians. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and hilarity does not ensue. With, with, with David Bowie uh, <laughs> playing uh, Nikola Tesla. Yeah. So, like, I yeah. don't want to spoil it for anyone that hasn't seen it, but I would like to... Just gently nod to the mystery in that. Oh Does my god. Does that break god. the rule? Um, no, I actually don't think that it breaks the rule, because the, the core mystery is actually, um... I'm less iffy about mm-hmm. acts than you guys are, I find. I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean more like, because, I mean, you'll agree that, like, putting all of your clues at the end and, like, leaving nothing but red herrings at the start doesn't work, right? Because it's suddenly like, oh, how was I meant to know? Yeah, I think it's pretty much when the last clue gets unraveled, if that means that the mystery is solved, I think is the problem. But uh, if it's like anywhere sort of before that point, but it's it's a very vague oh, point. I, for I know. I guess we're, ju- we're just putting like a very definite label on there, mm. I guess. But yeah. Um, but... The prestigious core mystery, I would say, is actually solved with, like, it's not the very first line. I think it's, uh, it's, it's like, very early. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, because the, the, the core mystery is, like, how did uh, Christian Bale do his, like, What's disappearing and reappearing trick. Mm. Um, and while that leads to um, certain things happening with <laughs> uh, Hugh Jackman, yeah. in the end, like, that's really just giving us clues to the original mystery that is revealed in the prestige of that movie. Yeah. I might even say a lot of it's not giving clues, but really obscuring things by, like, adding, like, noise. I mean, it does add noise, but I think that, like, the key, like, what you... Before the very end, what you might think is the mystery is giving you the tools to solve the actual mystery Mm. by, like, working in parallel. I think the most important part of how the prestige goes about its telling and solving of a mystery is that it really just like locks in on the audience and how they expect a mystery to go it like it really hones (laughs) in on what the filmmakers think that you think in a way that i think some mystery movies lose sight of because they just kind of like cross their fingers and hope that you haven't gotten x far in the mystery by this point in the movie or otherwise you're going to be bored for the ending yeah. whereas in the prestige i feel like they were like oh man i hope they're at this point because it's gonna kick them when they find out yeah i having talked about the prestige and we talked earlier about seven like i'm starting to think of like what makes a mystery good at least to me like what makes me like it mm. and i think that a key bit is like all of the mysteries are like apparently like they trick you as to what the mystery is <laughs> Um, so, that's something to think about. (laughs) I mean, I was about to say, I think a really important thing that I only just sort of realized that's important is throwing noise at the thing so the real mystery is sort of obscured, and it's not like you haven't given them the clues, it's just that you've given them too many clues. Yeah, red herrings exist for a reason. Exactly, yeah. But... The stuff to sort through Mm. so that, like, you feel smart that you discounted the fake clues just as much as you realize the meaning of the real ones. I just remembered a thing that me and Jess did terribly with, and it was Ten Little Roosters. (laughs) I was, oh my god, I thought of that earlier on and I forgot to bring it up. Oh my god. Have you actually seen Ten Little Roosters? No. Okay, I will not spoil anything, and if anyone listening hasn't seen it, we won't. But basically, um, Ten Little Roosters is like a short web series produced by Rooster Teeth, um, which is exactly this. It's it's a mystery series. Um, I think it's about ten episodes long. And that makes sense, yeah. At the start of the at the start of the um series, they release a I don't know, a riddle? Poem, a riddle, haiku. a poem? That's not I hear. Okay. <laughs> they release a a short rhyming narrative. Um which Ten indicates all set out to die first one something or other. One choked on his rage and then there were nine. Um, yeah, I, I might have studied it a little bit. Um, anyway, yeah. They, then why do we suck? They very, very clearly lay out their clues in this little, you know, stanza of of what's going to happen each yeah. week because it ticks down in numbers yeah. and only one ever one person dies because a week. he chokes on his rage. Yeah. yeah. And they, like, tell you that one person is the killer, one person is going to survive... And then they and they give you like all of the tools and things immediately, and then they ask you to guess what's going to happen mm-hmm. and like what's going to happen every week. 
So it's very much all of the clues and things are out there in the first act. Like, the first act. Yeah, like, yeah. literally, straight away, everything that you could possibly take. Because they, they sort of zoom in on a few specific things in that first episode as well. Like, they'll zoom in on this aspect, this object, this creature, things like that for you to sort of take note of. But they're not all always relevant. And, like, that sort of, in a way, brings us back to the murder mystery where it's like the murder mystery is very definitely trying to be a facsimile of real life in that its clues aren't neatly laid out for you whereas in this it is and it's like what level of abstraction from real life um do you want yeah it, yeah do you need for your story and medium right where it's like how how much are you making this a game? Mm, yeah. Definitely. And in a way, one of the most gamey ones, the murder mystery, is the least gamey. Yeah. Yeah. That was deep, Josh. <laughs> Very that deep. was um, a deep statement. Just stunned me for a second. Yeah. <laughs> I just it, had to sit back there, like, ooh, ooh. words. <laughs> well, yeah. Anyway, we're we're pretty much at the end. With, yeah. We've talked for an hour can, now. Can I say so, something controversial? Sure. Uh, Death Note wasn't a mystery. Boom. Um, nah, Death Note wasn't. Wrap it up. Uh, no, I, I wouldn't say that Death Note was. I, I agree with you yeah. with that. It, it's, Death it's Note more is a thriller masquerading as a mystery. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. It, it's more about the maneuvering of two parties that we know rather than... Like, yeah. for one, if we had been following it from a different character's perspective, it would have been a mystery, but we're not. It's a glorified chess game. Basically. And, <laughs> and it's that's good. what's beautiful good. about it. But, you know, that's um, what it is. <laughs> but yeah, that's been our episode on mysteries. I, I hope that, uh, you know, the subject of mysteries isn't a mystery to you any longer oh, <laughs> but puns. if you do have any more questions oh, uh feel free to leave them in our tumblr ask box or email them to us to newdraftpodcast at gmail.com yeah do we want to mention like last week we didn't do a podcast things no. like yeah i was just nah. gonna i was gonna leave that a mystery <laughs> <laughs> yeah you guys should message us let us know even just comment on the facebook post what's your favorite mystery yeah love to um, find out we obviously know a fair bunch but we're always down to learn more i'm sure we could name more if we were put on save spot. james from having to watch clue with me and josh by giving us something better but i want to watch clue <laughs> <laughs> oh mission impossible <laughs> Mission Impossible is not a mystery. Just because you like it doesn't mean it's a mystery. It's It's a mystery to me why he likes it. That's my controversial thing that I'm ending on. (laughs) Okay. Okay. You can end on something that's wrong. Later days. Later days. I didn't say Lethal Weapon was a bad movie. Later days.